we hear the sound of heavy rain, a move of God, the winds of change. It's a great prayer to pray over our nation, to pray over the world, that they would be the winds of change in all circumstances, in all spheres, that God would move and be present. just want to read something very quickly from Galatians. Uh, Galatians 3 says this, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, who you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. It's great to know that we are all children of God, children of the Most High. And, and Abraham actually is a great place to look today because we're going to go into a new series uh, which we've entitled Called. And, and this series is the third in what we've uh, kind of packed as a, as a trilogy of, of series messages um, over the last couple of months. If you've done this journey with us since September, you'll know that we've been unpacking our vision uh, in stages since September. And we've been unpacking that vision slogan, which we try to say as often as we can, that our vision is to revive hearts, is to restore hope and is to rebuild lives. We want to help you discover who God is and allow him to revive your heart. We want to help you break free from things that are in your past or your present that you would find freedom, that your hope would be restored. And then finally, you would rediscover your purpose, discover why you're here and begin to build your life or rebuild your life based on that discovery so that you can go out and make a difference in the lives of others. And we're all on a journey. We're all at some point on this journey. And I believe that the God intended us to go on this journey. And, and we get these vision statements because I think we find them all the way through the Bible. Um, as early as Exodus chapter 6, um, God says this. He says, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression. I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment and I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. And here's God saying, I will take you out of where you are. And once I've got you out of where you are, I'm going to take what was where you were out of you. And then I'm going to bring you back into purpose and you'll be known as my people. And I'm convinced there, there are Christians out there who are thinking that there has to be more. Uh, well, there is. Or maybe you're on a journey of faith and you, you haven't made a, a commitment yet and, and you're watching this and maybe you don't believe. And, and that is fine and you're welcome. But I'm sure even people who, who don't believe necessarily in God have an inbuilt belief there is more out there. Do you know why people use God or Jesus as, as a replacement swear word? It's because they're trying to find the strongest word they know. And there isn't a stronger word than Jesus. You don't hear people saying Buddha or Muhammad or Krishna or Donald Trump because there isn't a stronger word. There isn't a greater name. We're always looking for something that is beyond ourselves. And the Bible says this, that God set eternity in the heart of man. So there is actually something of God that is set inside all our hearts that's been there from the moment we were conceived and it's God's desire to see that revived in us that we discover that calling but after that God says and God promises there is still 
more. There's still more for us. And, and so all of us, every one of us, believers and non-believers, we're all on this journey. Uh, we're always looking for something more and we're always asking that question, what's next? Well, Proverbs 28, uh, 29, 18 says this, that where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, the word vision in Hebrew means revelation or it means passion or it means dream. If you don't have a clarity in your life, if you don't have a dream or a passion in your life, you perish. Now, you don't physically die, but you don't live the life you could be living. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life to the full. The NIV version of this verse says that that people cast off restraint. They give up. They don't have any order to their life and they drift from one experience to the next with, with no sense of purpose. The message translation of the same verse. Now, the message isn't a translation. It's a, it's a paraphrase. It's not word for word. But it says this. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. When we attend to what God reveals to us, we are most blessed. When we find out what God is doing, life makes sense. And we know that we're living our best life. And can I suggest that a lot of us have settled for less than Jesus paid for? I'll say that again. A lot of us have settled for less than Jesus paid for. You've settled for a life. You're safe. You're secure. You're ankle deep, to use a metaphor that we used last week. You, you know you're going to heaven if you're a Christian, but Jesus gave his life so you could have life to the full. He gave his life so you could have more. So if Jesus gave his all, wouldn't you want it all? Wouldn't you want that full life? Do you know, statistically, and there's been studies on this, particularly in, in America, 87% of Christians don't know what their purpose is. 87% of Christians don't know why they're here. They're Christians, but they don't know what it is they're called to do. They don't know what God's purpose for their life is. We call ourselves as Christians, we call ourselves the body of Christ. And can you imagine 87% of the church, of the body of Christ, doesn't know what it's here for, doesn't know its purpose? I spoke briefly last week that we, we talked about bodies and we're all a body part and we all have a different function. Now, can you imagine if 87% of my body didn't know what it was or didn't know what its function was? Can you imagine what I'd look like if 87% of my body didn't know what it was for? Don't say that's going to be an improvement. But, but you, you can imagine how I, I just wouldn't function because all my body parts need to know their function. They need to know their purpose. They need to work together to make me function. And in this series, we want to help you discover that purpose. We want to help you discover that plan for your life, that divine calling that God put inside of you. And that's why we've, we've entitled this series Called, because we are called. We are called to make a difference in the world. Ephesians 2 says that we're God's masterpiece. We're created in advance to do the good things he planned for us to do. There was a plan in advance for our lives that God created us specifically for and called us to do before we were born. 
I don't know if anyone has ever been to a dog race track or, or seen one on the TV or seen one in, in movies or, or TV shows. But if you know what I'm talking about, um, you will know that there's this, this circular track. It's, it's about 300 meters long and there's, there's an iron rail that goes around the, the inside of the track and a, attached to that rail is a, is a mechanical bunny. And then they have uh, stalls where the, where the dogs wait and, and the bunny is, is set off and the bunny flies around the track. The stalls open and the dogs chase the rabbit. Now the dogs chase the rabbit because it's something to chase. They're not horses. They don't have people on their back whipping them and kicking them to kind of run. The dogs need something to chase. Well, there's a story that one uh, at one dog meet in, in Florida that the, the rabbit goes off and it flies around the track and the doors are opened and the dogs start to chase when suddenly the rabbit has some kind of electrical surge and it explodes mid-race and there, there's fake fur and there's wires everywhere. And this is what happened. Most of the dogs stopped running and sat down. Some of the dogs carried on running and they ran straight into the, the advertising hoardings and the fences and, and, and some broke their ribs. Other dogs stopped running, turned and looked at the crowd and just howled and barked. Not a single dog finished the race because they had nothing to chase. They lost their purpose. And it's a great picture of life that, you know, when you don't have a purpose, you either take a nap you either hurt yourself or you just bark at everyone else and we want to help you chase the rabbit we want to help you find a reason for running we want to help you find that calling and the other reason we've called this series called is because there are several times in the bible where god says to people you'll no longer be called this but you will be called this and the name has a meaning. It has a purpose. What they're called is linked to their calling. So over the next six weeks, we're going to be looking at the lives of people who had a name change. People who were called in both name and called in purpose. People who were called for a purpose. And the first person this happens to is found in Genesis. And if you've got your Bibles, we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 17 and the story of Abram. Uh, this is before he becomes Abraham. And we'll chat about this as we go through. But Genesis chapter 7 um, and verse 1 to 8, which I'll just read to you really quickly. Chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I'll confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Now, just to give you a bit of backstory here, Abram was living in a place called Haran. 
his father before him had begun the process of moving the family from a place called Ur to Canaan. But they stopped in Haran. And it says in the Bible that they, they settled there. They settled where they were. Not where they were meant to be, but they settled where they were. And God speaks to Abram and says, you've got to leave here. You've got to go. But he doesn't tell Abram where he's going. Um, and here's the first thing about being called. Uh, God often doesn't reveal the destination until we start moving. In this text, in, in chapter 16, we see that God doesn't reveal the destination until Abram actually starts moving and sometimes we have to do the going before God does the showing. Sometimes when we're called by God he doesn't reveal the full picture. He may just reveal a partial picture, a partial picture. We might get a sense, we might get a nudge, a feeling that we just can't shake that God is calling us down one road or one path and it's only when we take that first step that God shows us the next one and then the next one. And then the next one, David said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And what, what he means there is the lamp isn't illuminating the whole path. It's not illuminating the whole journey. It's just illuminating what is right in front of us, that step after step. And, and the rest is still in darkness and it only gets lit up the further we walk. Sometimes we have to do the going before God does the showing. And here's what God says to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great to be a blessing to others. Now notice that the calling on Abraham's life isn't just for him. Yes, he'll be blessed, but his blessing will result in blessing for others. When we're called, we're called to bless others. The calling on our lives will always result in others getting blessed the blessing on our lives will always result in others getting blessed we are blessed to be a blessing and abram's name means exalted father now that's a name to live up to especially after god turns up and tells him he'll be the father of a great nation now at this point abram is 75 years old and god tells him he'll be the father of a nation but so far, him and his wife, Sarai, who's, who's probably in her mid-60s, they'd been unable to have children. And, and Abram's in this dilemma where, where God has promised him something. And then there's nothing. Not just for a few months, but for 10 years. And Abraham has this promise that God has said, you will be a father of many nations. And Abraham lives in that promise and he waits for one year. He waits for two years. Ten years pass and he's still waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. And there's no sign of any children. They're not getting any younger. There's no sign of this promise taking place. So rather than wait for God's plan, Abram takes matters literally into his own hands and, and his, his wife Sarah, they, they, they formulate this plan and Abram gets his, his servant pregnant and they have a son called Ishmael. Now if you remember that verse in Proverbs, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble over themselves, they cast off restraint, they do whatever it is they want to do. And there's a whole different message there about, you know, not letting our frustration or our impatience derail the plans that, that God has by, by taking his promises in our own hands. But that's 
a message for another time but we can see it in in abraham's life there where he he's he's waiting 10 years and it's not happening so he makes that decision to to just take matters into his own hands and and that's another message for another time and and what we have at the point is abraham he's he's now living up to his name he is a father he he may be an exalted father but but he's only got one child who who is ishmael and that's not really so far a great nation. And, and it's another 13 year wait. Ishmael is, is maybe 13 at this point. Abraham is 99. Sarai is 90. And God speaks to Abram again and says, I'm going to give you a new name. Now, remember, Abram's name means exalted father. So, yes, he's a father. But actually, there's a deeper meaning to his name. Because that name, Exalted Father, isn't actually talking about Abraham. It's talking about his father. So in modern terms, we would say Abram's name means my father is exalted. It actually means, you know, my dad is awesome. My dad is amazing. His name is a reference to his father, not himself. His name is actually a name that references the past. It's a backwards looking name, a name that will always give him something that he feels he he needs to live up to. But God says, now you'll be called Abraham, father of many, which is a forward looking name. It's a name that speaks into the future. It's a name that speaks promise. It's a name that speaks into the purpose and the plans of God. Now, it's also interesting that the original promise said that you would be a father of a great nation. That's back in in chapter 16. But then God says he'll be the father of many nations. And it's great that even in Abram's or Abraham's disobedience, even in trying to take that promise into his own hands and, and potentially messing the whole thing up, God still works it into his plan from one nation to, to many nations. Ishmael's descendants won't be the promised nation that's reserved for Isaac, but they'll both be blessed. And I find that amazing that even when we take matters into our own hands, God can still bless something and can still weave it into his plan. Because God's promise isn't based on our behaviour, but it's based on his faithfulness and and yes there are sometimes conditions to the promise that God says you know you need to live by these conditions and God says to Abraham you need to live a blameless life you need to serve me faithfully but the promise is never based on our behavior it's based on God's grace on his faithfulness and then we do our best to live up to that faithfulness. And I want you to notice this, that both Abram and Sarai have their names changed to Abraham and Sarah. And, and Sarah's name means the same both ways. It means princess. But when you look at the way those, those words are written, there is an addition of a H added to their previous names, or it's a, a hyphenated H. Now, in the Hebrew... The Hebrew language doesn't have a name for God, um, but what they will often do, they will use the, the, the H with a, with a hyphen to represent God. So in, in Hebrew writings. So it looks to us like a really small change. that They've just added a H. But actually that addition of, of the H in, in their names, it represents the presence of God in their name. It represents the presence of God in their calling and in their lives from that moment on. And then God says this, I will make you extremely 
fruitful. And Abraham did later on have other sons in his life. But I think that when God means fruitful, there's something more to it than just producing children. So God says that many kings will come from his descendants. It's not about producing, but it's about what we're producing. And I believe we're called to produce. We're called to multiply. We're called into expanse. And that might not be physically. I'm not saying, you know, go and have 20 children, but we're called to produce. We're called to produce something with our lives. Jesus said that a good tree produces much fruit. He also said that we would be recognised by our fruit. We'll be recognised by what we produce. Jesus said again later that it's to his father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We're called to bear fruit. So why would Abraham's descendants be blessed? Because they are related to royalty. Abraham would be the father of many nations. His descendants would be blessed. He was called to be fruitful and, and his fruit would be good fruit that God would bless and use to bless others. But it came with a change of name, a name that would reflect his purpose, a name that would reflect the promise on his life and a name that would remind him every day of the calling God had given him. Now, I don't know what your name means. I don't know whether it means anything to you or, or whether you, you know what your name means and you've tried to, to live up to that or you maybe see that, that, that meaning reflected in, in the way you live. But there is a name that God wants all of us to own. There is a name that God actually calls all of us. And it's simply this, child of God. You know, Galatians says we're no longer slaves, but we are children of God. And since we are his children, God has made us his heirs. In 1 John, it said God calls us his children because that's what we are. And the writer goes on to say that we should show the truth by our actions. We show that we are children of God by our actions, by the way we live our lives, by the fruit we produce we are blessed to be a blessing and you know wherever you're watching or listening to this today can I tell you that God created you for a purpose he created you on purpose he created you with a plan you are not an accident you are not what people have called you you are what God calls you you are a child of God and he calls you for a purpose and we'd love to offer you the opportunity to, to allow God to begin to reveal that to you today. If you're far from God and you know you need to take that first step, a step to, to discovering your redemptive calling, the thing you were designed to do, then we're just going to pray and I'd love to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I need you. Forgive my sin. Cleanse my past. Make me brand new. I believe you're the son of God. Today I put my faith in you. I believe you rose from the dead to give me life and life to the full. And today I give you my life so that I can live the full, blessed, purposeful life that you have for me. Thank you, God. Amen.